Hello. Hi, and welcome to Murder, She Read, the true crime podcast where we read books, give each other dirty looks, and drink copious amounts of wine. I'm sitting across from the ever-lovely, although perhaps snarly right now, Amanda Fall. There is something stuck to the outside of my wine glass. I told you I don't have a dishwasher. That's a personal problem. <laughs> I am sitting across from Victoria Campbell, who can't wash a wine glass. Not a sponge in sight. That's fine. <laughs> I'll still drink out of it. Um, Amanda, what are we reading this week? Why do you ask me? I don't read the book. That's <laughs> true. Um, we're reading another Anne Rule special. Whoops. <laughs> um, we're we reading... said we wouldn't do it, and yet... We I, fucking did it. Again. And probably again and again and again and again. Over, over. We really don't like ourselves. Just rinse and repeat and rule. Um, but this week we're reading a book called Every Breath You Take, which is not by the police, as we've already mentioned. No, not a one. Mm-mm, mm-mm. What's it about? Uh, all right, so I'll kick us <laughs> off with this fun fact. Just push it right along. <laughs> Our victim, uh, Sheila Blackthorne Blush, once told a friend that if she were ever to die in a violent manner that she would like Anne Rule to write her story. I did see that. Um, so she yeah, got her wish. She did. So we're Ooh. starting off on a little bit of a prophetic note there. Um, but in Anne's book, we're very close now. I call her on a first name basis. Um, we meet Sheila in 1982, who is beautiful and charming and blonde. And she's working in a law office. And she's super driven and motivated, and she dreams of getting her bachelor's degree. One day, she meets a man in the office named Alan Van Hout. uh, And Sheila's boss had handled his divorce. So Anne Rule, who loves a physical descriptor, describes him as 6'2 and handsome in a movie star way. Um, And by their third date, Sheila tells everyone she knows that she's going to marry him. They were engaged by their third date. Yeah, and then they are engaged. Yeah. Yep. Um, Which is full bananas. Yeah, it's going like full pedal to the metal, if you will. I mean, he is also, he's 27, he is on his second divorce. Yes, but she thinks it's just he only has the one ex-wife. Oh, she doesn't know? No, she doesn't know. You should be pretty forthcoming about how many ex-wives you have. Imagine if they had a Google. <laughs> um, so yeah, so they get engaged very, very quickly. Wait, what's his last name? Well, right now his name is Van Howe. Why? We'll find out later. Please so, tell right. me. No, I'll tell you in a bit. Okay. So, Sheila's parents love Alan, too. Um, they go so far as to move him in with them. Don't. And Sheila. Could you imagine if your no. sweet Anne did that? Well, I mean, it would be her dream, but... <laughs> it's true. She'll put Zachary right in there. Um, and they invest in his business, Stereo World, because this is the early 80s, and what a time for a stereo system. Um, so, they give him access to their cars and their boats, and they basically take him on as a bonus son. And he told her parents that he had, one, served as a second lieutenant in the Army, two, uh, had went to Stanford. How many of those things were true? You wait. What do you guess? What do you, you think? It's like a 50-50? I'm going to go not neither. Well, you're not wrong. Okay, so what we actually know about Alan, um, he was born into a pretty turbulent household. His mother was just 16 when she had him. However, Alan would live most of his young years with his grandmother and step-grandfather. Okay. Uh, when he did occasionally live with his mother, Alan would later claim that she was excessively violent and negligent. Um, he claimed that he had often woke in a coma after being severely beaten, which was just factually untrue. Woke in a coma? Yeah, he, like, came to from a coma in a hospital. It wasn't... It's not a good lie. Okay. And easily validated by, you know, hospital records. Right. Um, she, he also liked to claim that she set him on fire more than once. More than once? Yeah, just often. And although she was prone to violence and excessive drinking, none of these really 
really large claims turn out to be true. Um, my favorite anecdote about her, although favorite probably isn't a great word, she once shot her third husband, Bill, six times in the groin um, before grabbing a shotgun to really do some damage, but she blew her own arm off by mistake. How? I think the shotgun recoiled and or jammed and then it like shot back. I don't know a thing about a gun. I don't know a thing about a gun, but it feels like the barrel has to be pointing you to blow your arm <laughs> off. How do you shoot backwards? I've got, I've got questions. We should ask our Florida listeners. I'm sure we've got at least one. Certainly two. Um, okay, so Alan has this history of lying already that we've established. Right. Um, but after this relationship with his mom and he's been living with his grandmother, he goes to move in with his cousin and her husband. However, this didn't end up working out either. And ultimately, he'd spend the rest of his youth living with his dad and his step-siblings, engaging in some behavior that his stepbrothers would rather would, excuse me, later deem pretty menacing and trying to bait them with fishing lines, complete with hooks on them while they tried to bat them away with tennis rackets. I'm sorry, he was fishing for his siblings? Yes, literally. Okay, mm-hmm. that could be fun. And they were like, ah, Alan! Um, and so during this time, there's also this claim that he took out a young girl whom he allegedly tried to get very, very handsy with, and when she declined his advances, he choked her and attempted to rape her. Um, her parents didn't press charges, but she, like, left town. This does sound like the Alan I know. Um, yeah, we're getting towards the new last name, <laughs> Alan, for you. Um, he goes on to marry his first wife, who was his high school sweetheart, Ellen. Alan and Ellen. Um, and the two would ultimately divorce, leaving their relationship on very, very bad terms. No. <laughs> Shocking, right? Um, he goes on to marry a woman named Mary, um, who literally fled the state after she left him to get away from him. And it's noted by many of his past sexual partners that he had a proclivity for masochism, for wearing women's clothing, and for being abusive both verbally and physically. Okay. One of his favorite, like, sex games was to dress in full female attire and then, like, walk around and see who could notice that he was, in fact, a man in women's clothing. Everyone. I've seen his face. Yeah. <laughs> it's not a feminine face. Mm-mm. All right. Um, so he's a compulsive liar, but he's also pretty convincing. Um, and both his family and his rom- romantic partners will remark upon this. Like, even if you know he's lying, he's selling it so well that there's a part of you that's like, Oh, my- did you go to Stanford? I've got a, I've got a quote for you. Give it to me. So, I watched a, I don't know what, some special about this. You just spilled wine all down yourself. Yeah. We'll move forward. Um, you know who was on that special? Do tell. Sweet hand rule. Anne. So here's another quote. She did. Here's another quote from Anne. He was every girl's ideal boyfriend. He was good looking. He was smooth and seemingly successful and charismatic. The only one who didn't like him was his sister Carrie, who saw something behind the perfect mask. That's actually Sheila's sister Carrie. Oh. Yeah. Um, Mm, It said his sister. (laughs) It's okay. Um, later in her life yeah so she we'll hear a lot about her later because she as Amanda just said Carrie has like bad sensory vibes about him immediately everyone should yeah he's not good Um, so let's go back to 1982 the year of Sheila where he meets Sheila so Alan has embedded himself in the family's life Mm -hmm. although younger sister Carrie despises him Um, And Alan's veil of, like, a human facade starts to crumble pretty early on into their marriage. His human mask starts to fall (laughs) off? Yeah, it's got some fucking holes in it. Um, Alan is prone to aggression, which persisted in this horrific story. I don't know if you read about this. Um, He has a Porsche that he bought on credit, basically. 
probably okay. a credit line that he got through Sheila's parents. Um, but he liked to drive fast. He liked to beat all of the other drivers. Like, look how fucking big my dick is. And so one night he's driving the Porsche. He has Sheila in the front seat who is very pregnant. And a motorcycle comes by them. So he decides, we're going to race. And takes oh. off. Did you read about this? No. Okay, like neck and neck with the motorcycle down like these winding ass ropes. Um, and the motorcycle is beating him. And so not to be outdone, Alan's going faster and faster. He ultimately ends up intentionally rear-ending the bike, like killing the driver. And the woman who was on the back of the bike is thrown off the bicycle, like hits his hood, and then hits the back of his car and she's holding on to it. And he won't slow down and he will not stop. And he knows she's back there. Well, there's really only one way to prove how big your dick is. And I have been told that that's it. Well, there we go. We know it's... Jesus fucking Christ. Is that true? Mm-hmm. We know for sure. Yeah, his dad talked about it. Um, so he like called his dad and told how him... How did he not go to jail? Oh, well, I think he got... He might have served a little bit of time for it. Um, but he like really How was this not in the special the that I watched? I don't know. And got into some good detail about it so he calls his dad he's like what do i do and they're like tell the dad's like tell the cops it was a hell's angel he was menacing you oh it was fuck his you fault. you had your pregnant wife in the car you um, had to run him over you had to kill him uh-huh. and so this is the first time that sheila's like fuck 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 and we know this because carrie the sister is in the back seat oh carrie's in the back despite this again sheila's really pregnant um they have their first child stevie nicks Mm-hmm. Is her name Stevie Nicks Van Hout, um, and his second daughter later is named Daryl Hannah Van Hout. When is the name change? It's coming. Jesus. So Alan claims this is due to his love of, you know, Flavor Matt. Well, yeah, yeah, yeah. I'm sorry. I'm just. I'm caught in my mind being like, am I the one that did the fiction research this fucking time? <laughs> no, I'll get you in a minute. <laughs> Um, so Anne Rule will claim that, I mean, sure, it's for his love of, like, classic 80s jam, but also it's because, given their masculine names, he has the ability to use their social security numbers. Oh. Um, Interesting. Um, so in addition to him being a fucking murderer already, um, things are not going well at Stereo World. Um, he's sued by a customer for faulty merchandise, but he claims it's basically a misunderstanding. Did he run that customer over? <laughs> Probably. <laughs> he tells his in-laws that he has tons of new merchandise in a storage unit he keeps. No big deal about the stuff that's not working at the store. However, the storage u- unit is full of TVs from, like, 1950 that he probably picked out of the trash. Okay. Um, and the business just falls apart. So Sheila's father finds out that Alan has managed to put all of his physical assets in his name, so, like, his boats, his cars, his trucks. In Sheila's dad's name? No, in Alan's name. Oh. So he's putting, like... Oh, okay. I see. I see what's happened. So, yeah, he's taking everything. He starts trying to, like, sell off her dad's shit, basically. It's a very sneaky little fucker. He got away with it. He sold a van, and the dad only caught him when he was trying to sell his truck. Um, but How many vehicles does Sheila's dad own? He's very busy. Okay. Um... So bankruptcy is obviously declared on Stereo World, and Sheila's parents, who are looking forward to retirement, are just fucked. All right. Um, I don't have any of this. (laughs) Bless and rule. (laughs) Um, So in the wake of financial ruin, the Van Houts move to Hawaii. Don't have that. Off they go. Um, Change their name? God damn it. Not yet. (laughs) 
So in Hawaii, Alan's like, well, clearly I'm no good with the stereo. I've got to get a new thing. So he comes up with this ab machine that's supposed to give you a six-pack through an electric current as you sit on your couch and eat. This is when he starts importing electronic muscle stimulators. Yes, correct. Got it. This I've got. (laughs) This is where I pick up. Give us some more info about that. Nope, that's all I've got. (laughs) I've Um, got that, and then his only true love is golf and beating his wife. Oh, we'll get there soon. (laughs) Great. I mean, he's at both of those now. Um, but he's trying to build this ridiculous business with this thing that's like, sit on your couch and get a six-pack. Right, he becomes a millionaire off of it, though. Not yet. So, he is, so they're in Hawaii. He's increasingly abusive towards Sheila, physically and emotionally. Um, and shockingly, his terrible business is shut down by the FBI. The Van Houts declare bankruptcy again. And it's during this period that Sheila actually gives birth to Stevie Nicks. Sorry, I had the order wrong. Dylan was first. Stevie Nicks. Daryl? Daryl, sorry. Um, so. What they, year are we in? I don't know. Okay. We've declared bankruptcy. Um, so after these financial issues in Hawaii, the Van Houts moved to San Antonio, Texas, where Sheila's sister Carrie has just moved in with her new beau, fiance, whatever he is at this point to her. Okay. Alan changes his last name to Blackthorn? Yes. Do you know after whom? No. Oh my god, it's like some dumb fictional character he's obsessed with. Um, and he sets about getting a new social security number. Why so, does he change his last name? So he can get a new social security number. So that he doesn't have all that bankruptcy? Exactly. Oh. So his past is wiped. Um, so he goes about setting up the ab shake weight situation again. Okay, take two. Yes, this is the second round here. But this time, as Amanda said, things go well for him. Somehow. Mm-hmm. He's charming. He manages to get a $200,000 loan from a big person in San Antonio society. Um, he has a fancy office. He's got lots of people working for him. During this time, however, he is absolutely hideous to Sheila, and she tells her friends that he attempted to drown her by holding her head in the toilet and flushing her repeatedly. Fucking Christ. Um, he has affairs with women in their home, often leaving the door open to their bedroom to ensure that Sheila can hear them fucking. Great. Um... And the cops are called after Alan vicious, viciously. There it is. <laughs> there it is. Um, attacks Sheila, and this is her final breaking point. And she takes the girls. She drives to California to an old friend's house. But Alan assumed where she was going. Took a fucking plane there, and is literally waiting at the friend's house when she arrives. Fucking psychopath. And he assaults her in the driveway. And when a male neighbor intervenes, Alan pulls his favorite moon and move and fucking runs him down with the car again and takes off. Oh, he's still doing Mm -hmm. the rock. Okay, great. So they assume he's going to come back. They call the cops. The cops are there. He comes back. He's arrested. Um, Guess what happens to him, Amanda? He pays a fine Uh and serves probation. Yeah. And this happens twice. Yes, and he paid under $600. Yeah, a minor fine, Mm -hmm. which is the most fucking insane thing I've ever heard. Yeah, it's bonkers. How is that possible? He ran someone over with a car and beat his wife mercilessly. That'll be $500, please. Thank you. That's the charge? That's what you get? That's all? Hello. Good fucking God. Um, This all goes down, but Sheila is fucking done. She moves home to Oregon for a little bit, but she returns to San Antonio to take that piece of shit to court and also continue to working at her job at the law office because she has to support not one but two children. Right. So during this time, Alan's company is tanking, and he turns the majority of his energy to learning everything he can about the law so he can fuck Sheila in court so that she can't get anything that he claims is rightfully his. Right, and he starts making this big fucking deal about, I'm not paying child support for Mm -hmm. this, this, and this reason, but also tries to get custody of the girls. He's basically just making her life fucking complicated. for no reason. 
Um, so Sheila is struggling financially, and Alan is refusing, as Amanda said, to pay his mandated child support, citing his lack of income. However, he somehow manages to get two, I imagine, very dumb, yet very rich, brothers to invest in his shake weight ab thing again. Um, but this time it's not a direct-to-consumer situation, but it's like a thing doctors can rent. Okay, so that's what it's the whatever I watched and read skimmed right over the entire past and jumped to that moment because yeah. it was a medical device this entire time in all of my notes. Yeah, so now now it's like something they're shilling as a medical device that you can... It's too expensive to own, so doctors can rent it. And somehow this business flourishes. He's making bank and Sheila is floundering. And he ultimately meets a woman named Maureen, who is, like, rich, rich. This is in 93. I've got he finds his fourth lucky missus. <laughs> what a prize. Um, and the two fall in love and marry, and they eventually have a son. So I would think that Alan would get the fuck over his divorce from Sheila. No, he wants to fucking ruin Sheila's life. He's obsessed. Yeah, he keeps trying to fight Sheila for custody and insists on paying her the least amount of child support possible, although he's making a ton of money. He's a millionaire. Yeah, it's disgusting. Mm-hmm. But she remarries. She does. I wrote, on a brighter note, Sheila has a cute meet um, on a flight back from California. Oh. Uh, she meets a man named Jamie Belush, and they really hate it off. They hate it off? Hate it off. They hate it off. (laughs) And the two get married. What happens in 95? Many things? I don't know. Does she get pregnant? She has fucking quadruplets. She does. So what happened was she had gotten her tubes tied while she was married to Alan because no one wants to have another child with him. Um, So she... I think they did some, like... It was IVF. Yeah. Some in vitro treatments. So, yeah. She's this, like, little tiny 100-pound woman. Pregnant with quadruples. And then she becomes kind of, like, locally famous for it. She's not just locally famous. She's on fucking Maury Povich. Oh, shit. I had a big crush on him in high school. That's... Wrong. I know. Anyway. I think... <laughs> Maybe we circle back to that in a different episode, because I would like to dig through it, but I don't think now's the time. Is there a therapy contingent of this? Yeah, maybe that's, uh, we get a Patreon, that's our mini sets. <laughs> Great, I'm your therapist now. Oh, uh, you wear many hats. So, the happy couple moves their six kids, including Daryl and Stevie, into a new house, and things are going pretty well. Right, but this, like, courtroom combat is still continuing with Alan. Oh yeah, it's never gonna stop. Um, so things were going well, and then Stevie and Dylan are teenage age. And as people who were in their past teenage girls, not always angels? No, No. not always. Mm -hmm. Um, So they're teens, and they're like a little bit rebellious, and Jamie is a bit extreme in his punishment for their misdeeds. And as this is starting to occur, a neighbor, Pat Aday, who is in a feud with the blushes over your typical neighborhood bullshit, like trees over the fence. Also a bunch of bamboo. We're going back to episode one. It's all connected. Great. She's like pissed at them, and... She starts talking to Alan, who calls her, about what she has observed next door. About, like, Jamie's physical treatment of the girls. Um, that one of the girls is often red in the face. It's literally because she has acne. But she, oh. Pat is very nosy and has decided they're, like, beating the children. And Alan is like, yes, leverage. And he begins his campaign to alienate the girls from their mother and their stepfather. My question really is, like, why? Alan's doing really well. He is a multimillionaire at this point. He's basically retired. What does he do all day, Amanda? He golfs. He fucking golfs. He has a son to pay attention to, and in 97, Maureen, his fourth wife, is pregnant again. They buy an $800,000 home. Hello. Yes. In 97. That's I didn't a... do the conversion. $14 million. Yes. 
Good math. Um, <laughs> but it's so tacky that the neighbors in their bougie-ass neighborhood are like, oh, no. Um, there's a lot of, like, choice quotes that Anne got from them about how tacky the entire thing is. That's fantastic. I love it. So Sheila finds out that Daryl has been sneaking out of the house to see her dad. Less than pleased. At this point, they've had this ongoing court battle for so long. Um, and at some point, Alan was even accused of uh, molesting. Right. So at some point Dylan. in 97, Sheila files... Yeah. What? Daryl. I keep saying Dylan. Oh. Uh, sometime in 97, Sheila files sexual abuse charges against Alan, claiming he had abused Stevie years earlier. But when they go to court, he volunteers to relinquish all of his parental rights and she drops the charges. Right. So, yeah. So he's he's like hands off with the girls. Um, so Sheila's even angrier that Daryl keeps sneaking out because this is a man who's abandoned you. And he isn't your father figure anymore. He basically said that he doesn't want anything to do with you. So Sheila's very upset. And she spanks her, and Dylan runs next door screaming to fucking nosy body Pat a day um, that she's been severely beaten by her mother. Is this when she has, like, the bruise on her leg? Yeah. And Alan convinces her to press charges on her own mother. Mm-hmm. Sheila is arrested for child abuse. She is. Um, and then the cops investigate, and they decide that there's no case to be charged. Then in September of 97, they flee. Yes, but Dylan, to avoid... Daryl. Jesus Christ, I wrote Dylan here, too. (laughs) Really doubled down on the wrong name. Um, Daryl is kept at a a state institution until things cool down. And so Daryl is still there when the family flees to Florida. Oh, Daryl's not with them? They leave her. They say, fuck you, Daryl, goodbye. Yes. All right, that's rude. She's 12 at this point. Yeah, she's a little baby. You do not leave your 12-year-old. No, they go back. Okay. Let me go. Okay. Okay, so Daryl is uh, kept at the state until things cool down, but things do not cool down. Jamie and Sheila decide that their only recourse for getting away from this, like, banana situation with fucking Pat a day with Alan's psychopathic self is to move under cover of darkness to Sarasota, Florida. You know, where everyone goes. Mm -hmm. When you want to just blend in and disappear. And Jamie had actually just gotten a promotion to this area. He was like a pharmacy rep. Okay, yeah. this was a new territory for him. So it works out logically for them financially, but also just like a get-out-of-dodge situation. I have a quote from Alan regarding this. Lay it on us. Which he says, it didn't impact him in the slightest. Um, And this, I think I paraphrase lightly, but basically... I didn't want any contact. I had gone out of my way to make sure that I hadn't had any contact. That's a lie. I had moved on with my life. Uh-huh. Mm-hmm. So Sheila goes back to Texas only once to get Daryl back. So they, she flies back and she gets Daryl and she asks um, whoever her, like, caseworker was to come to Florida with them. Um, to sort of diffuse any additional situation, which is, like, maybe not the best treatment, but whatever. Um, so when they get to Florida, Daryl goes to live in a group home for disturbed teens instead of coming home with the family. And I'm sure there's a better term for that, but that's what Anne said. She's super lonely there, and her family lives, I don't know, not super close to her, and she doesn't see them that often. But she goes over to their house for visits on occasion, And then suddenly, although Alan had that quote that Amanda just read, he starts calling Daryl. Yeah, he somehow gets their number. Yeah, and he's, um, 
the first time he calls, he chit-chats with her a little bit, and then I believe he calls again and is asking her very leading questions about where her mom's house is. And yeah, he she, wants the address. And she doesn't know it, but she gives him enough landmarks. Like, here's the gas station it's near. Like, here's... Um, well, one of the streets was named blah, blah, blah. It's enough information that he can suss out the address. Going back a little bit further, before he got the phone number, so as he claims that he wasn't concerned with where they were, he didn't give a fuck. Mm -hmm. In reality, he had desperately tried to track Sheila down after she moved. Um, Phone records show that he made repeated calls to the Bales Bondsmen's that was used when she was arrested for child abuse. And unfortunately for him, all of these calls were recorded. He's a fucking So I got idiot. to hear a couple of them, which were really entertaining. Um, he claimed that, like, she owed him money and was, like, not his ex-wife, but was a business partner, and that's why he was trying to track her down. He then hires a PI in Florida, yes. which also phone records prove. And then, yeah, it was two weeks before Sheila's murder. Um, sorry, spoiler. Uh, 12-year-old Daryl calls Alan and is... Uh, reveals enough information that he can find the house. And then he never fucking calls his daughter again. No, uh-huh. not once. And he had told her, like, part of her giving him this information piecemeal was that he was promising that he would come spend Christmas with her. hmm Which is so fucked. So, on November 7th, 1997, Stevie comes home from school, and she finds the door to the house unlocked, and she finds the four quads, uh, as they call them, basically like sobbing in this like very alarming cluster and they're just wearing their little life vest because they had been swimming in the pool um, and their like diapers were on the table because their mom would just take their diapers off and put them in the pool and they'd paddle around and stevie unfortunately finds her mother in the kitchen in a pool of her own blood she's been shot like through the cheek and her throat has been slit and she's covered in defensive wounds um and when the cops arrive stevie immediately tells them that she thinks her father alan did this but for all accounts and purposes alan should have forgotten about sheila uh we said it before but like at this point he's got two sons he has millions of gold but he is a fucking psychopath yeah he's a weird control freak psychopath yeah if we can take it back a little bit before november 7th of 97 alan has been doing this shit where he has been talking to his dumbass golfing buddy danny larocha who's like a low level bookie and guy mm-hmm. who bets on golf which it must be the most boring thing ever he tells danny that if he can find someone to beat up his ex-wife he'll build danny this golf course and danny will have a job there and he'll be set for life and then we meet some more dummies so danny doesn't know anybody or excuse me danny won't beat up a woman himself so he gets in touch with his cousin, Sammy, mm-hmm. who is admittedly slow. And it's like, Sammy, will you do it? Sammy's like, also, no. But I do know someone even dumber than me who will do it. At this point, Sammy then gets in touch with his cousin, Joey Del Toro, uh, who definitely would have no second thoughts about beating up a woman. I mean, it's not that he would have no second thoughts. He was 21 years old. He was a big idiot, as stated. His only prior conviction was for shoplifting. It's not like he had a violent history. He was just young, naive, and desperate for money. And, like, well, apparently also a lunatic because he did what he did. But it was definitely, like, a weird passing of the mark down this, like, line. Yeah, for sure. It's an interesting trajectory of how it got to um, Joey. Uh, the other thing I will say, that Joey's really bad at this. Um, he borrows his grandmother's car. He has a receipt of items he bought at, like, an Academy Sports or something. Right. Okay. Let me take you through this. So, at the crime scene, what's left behind is a bloody fingerprint, a shell casing, 
And the neighbor had spotted that car. Yes. With the out of plate uh, license. And that neighbor wrote down the license. Uh huh. Which is like so much better than I would do. Yeah. Well, he was also dressed in fucking camouflage and was like goose walking around the neighborhood. Right. I have. So he wrote this place down. These plates down because heroes are everywhere. <laughs> <laughs> but seriously, Alan, you're a fucking millionaire, and this is all that you can spring for. So the plates were traced back to Joey Del Toro and the Texas police are able to track his car or that car down to his girlfriend's house in Austin. Inside, as Victoria said, they find these receipts. They also find handwritten directions to the home and the murder weapon. Again, this is why you hire a fucking professional. I know, I'm giving this kid a lot of shit, but I'd be this dumb too. (laughs) Can you just, like, I'm sure... It's Florida. Like, you can hire a killer in Florida. Get someone that's done the job before. Don't get a 21-year-old Texan who has no fucking clue what's going on. Mm-mm. I'm not giving you advice, but, like, come on. <laughs> you could spring for more. You're a millionaire. Do you know how much he ultimately paid them? I think 4000 Yeah, but, like, I think that Joey got, like, 20 bucks. Oh, really? I thought Joey was going to get 4000 if he beat her up and 14 if he killed her. Okay. Which still is not... It's not a lot of money. Uh-uh. Don't kill for 14 grand. Mm -mm. Don't kill, basically. Period. (laughs) mm. Sorry, that's all I got. I wanted to jump in because I haven't talked in a while. Um, So, yeah, so the cops find all of this evidence. And um, Joey has a lot of girlfriends. Right. They can't find him, though. No, but the girlfriends are so happy to turn on him. Oh, for sure. Thank you, ladies. Flipping so fast. Um, one of them, who was particularly effective, um, wanted to study, like, criminology in college and was like, we'll not go down for this. Let me tell you everything. Um, was it you? It was me. And so she basically tells the cops where she thinks he is, and she's right. He is in Mexico. Right. He flees, is staying with some family. But they uh, interview everyone they can. They find his cousin, Sammy. Yes. So they backtrack this. They're looking for Joey. They find Sammy. Sammy points them to Danny. Here we go. And then Danny will point us to... Alan! Alan! Um, Who is claiming, of course, complete innocence in this whole thing. He's basically saying um, he had nothing to do with this. He loved his wife while they were married. And although they had an acrimonious divorce, he would never want harm to come to her and ergo his children. And so we go finally... court so basically they've got i think they've got danny in jail at this point right do they have danny and sammy yeah danny's trying to be really smart and is like trying to get a plea deal right but he was also holding strong for a minute and in this they do an interview or they show an interview of danny and this like local tampa police state police station tv station and Danny is basically, like, lamenting about how upset he is that he's in jail and Ellen is fucking golfing. <laughs> and that's He's done. Like, so his trial happens in January of 99. Two days into it, he finally just folds. And he's like, fuck, I will give you what you want. Just give me a lighter sentence. Yeah. So he tells the whole fucking tale. But this fucking fucker... He embellishes his story so much, just like on bullshit things about like his like relationship what? with Alan and like exact details of what he was supposed to get out of it. Does he say they're like best friends? Basically, okay. yeah. He's he's just trying to talk himself up in the situation. So he doesn't want to sound like the guy that just like passed the task along to somebody else. He wants to be important. Oh good, the time to do that, really. Uh-huh. He embellishes so fucking much, he can't pass a lie detector test, even though he's telling the goddamn truth. (laughs) 
So, right, the deal, um, the court goes back in the deal, and they send him straight to trial, and he gets life in jail. He does. But without his testimony, the cops don't really have shit on Alan. Yeah, so Alan is, like, living his bougie life, and he's like, I had nothing to do with this, I had nothing to do with this. Golfing Um, up a storm. Rage golfing. He also (laughs) loves to sit, this was just such a funny, like, they have this, like, rich-ass house. He loved to sit in a uh, lazy boy recliner in his garage and drink like big gulps of diet coke and fucking chain smoke cigarettes that's all he did when you said love to sit in a lazy boy i was imagining in the backyard just to be clear (laughs) no no just a lazy boy in a florida backyard with a cigarette that's really the rich lifestyle right i think that might be our quote for the episode Um, so that's what he's up to, and he's trying to, like, drum up public support for himself, and all he will do is talk about the trial. All he's doing is just going on these Tampa TV stations (laughs) and talking about how little of a fuck he cared about his children Mm -hmm. and why he wouldn't kill to be near them. Exactly. (laughs) That's exactly what an innocent man would do, for sure, right? That's what what human sympathy looks like. Uh Mm Uh-huh. Emotions. Not human face facade. Mm -mm. Um, so yeah, so he's trying to wiggle his way out of this. He hires an attorney who is... Like, farcically expensive. I did get to see his dum-dum face. Oh, is it not great? It looks like a mole rat. And rule usually includes some photos, but I didn't... Unless That's they were, like, in the aftermatter. So, while... So, we've dispensed with Danny. He's in jail for life. Yeah. Sammy takes a plea deal. He gets 19 years. Okay. Because he flips on everyone. Everyone's trying to get Joey out of Mexico. And he's been arrested there for entering the country illegally. So he's sitting in prison in Mexico, and they're trying to extradite him. He does not want to come back to the States, obviously. No. We get him back to the States. Okay, so they don't have the fuck... They don't have Danny's testimony. They don't have shit. So they turn their eye to the 94 Violence Against Women Act, which makes domestic abuse across state lines a felony. Oh. Which, I mean, domestic abuse against women should just... Domestic abuse should just be a fucking felony. Mm -hmm. Let's be real. This makes Danny's testimony less important, but he still agrees to testify. So January 4th of 2000, Alan is charged with interstate domestic violence and conspiracy to commit murder for hire. Danny's not like... The star truth teller, but... <laughs> Why, because he can't pass right. mm-hmm. So the defense's argument is that Alan confides in Danny about how abusive his ex-wife is to his girls. So Danny, wanting to be in with this, like, wealthy businessman, <laughs> wanting to be needed by someone, <laughs> was gonna take it upon himself to make her suffer. So they basically say, like, Alan never asked for Danny to do it. Danny did it himself because he wanted Alan to like him. Wanted to be in the inner circle. I always want people to like me, but not that much. No, never that much. Um, I have here that I really hope the prosecutor's response was just the deepest sigh and an eye roll. (laughs) But you know who wanted to take the stand? Is it Alan? It's fucking Alan. Of course. It doesn't matter. Jury's like, whatever, bro, you're so guilty. Um, I've got another quote by Ann Rule, which is, the worst thing you could ever do to Blackthorn is take away his golf game. And he's not golfing now. Ann, snappy sassy. Is that sassy or is that just, like, common sense? That's a fact. (laughs) So Joey Del Toro is extradited and pleads guilty, confirming Blackthorn's involvement. So he's just like, fuck yeah, all of everything you've got is right. Yeah, Like, fuck me, fuck him. Fuck us all. And they did. They did. 100%. They fucked them all. They fucked them all. 
That's all I've got until Alan dies. <laughs> do you have anything to add between? I do. <laughs> I skipped right ahead to the end. You did. I have a couple of things They alive. fucked them all and Alan dies. Um, at some point while Alan is originally in jail... He was, like, somehow, I said he was a huge chain smoker. He was somehow, like, princessing himself, like, cartons and cartons of cigarettes. Um, in someone's asshole, I imagine. Probably, and a cell phone. Imagine how big the cell phone somebody had to bring in in their a asshole 90s. was in a cell phone. <laughs> That's not, like, a flip phone or a razor. That is, like, bigger than any phone. It's basically a rotary. <laughs> yes. <laughs> it might be a pay phone. Shoved up in you. Mm-hmm. Cool. Um, so he is acting like a little princessy angel, and uh, they find out and then throw him in solitary for like the rest of his time. Unfortunately, while this whole trial is going down, uh, Jamie Belush moves back to Jersey with his family, the quads. Does not take the girls. He takes Stevie, will not take Daryl. Oh, really? Yeah, he's like very upset with her for telling. Alan, where they lived. I thought he didn't take either. No, he took Stevie. Daryl has to go live with Carrie. Carrie. Yep. Mm -hmm. And he just, like, cannot forgive her for it. Well, that's a little fucked. It is kind of fucked. She was 12. Yeah, she was a baby girl. Like, at 12 years old, you don't assume, no matter how rough everything has been, you don't think... If I give the address to my dad, it's not that he's going to come visit me for Christmas. It's that he's going to kill my mom. Yeah, and she even, when the cops... So, like... I think this is fucked, too. So, like, when her mom was murdered, they didn't tell her for a little bit, and they wouldn't let her watch the news um, until, I guess, a family member could come tell her, but I still think it was kind of a disservice. So, um, when she found out as well, she also said, oh, my God, I think it was my dad. Yeah. Um, That's what was going on with the family. And ultimately, um, before... Alan died in prison. <laughs> so we had to fast forward it too. Um, he died in 2014, by the way, at the ripe age of 59. And yeah, but they won't they release his why. cause of death. He had almost been murdered in another prison by a gang, uh-huh. so I'm pretty uh-huh. sure. If someone killed him, he killed himself. Either way, good fucking riddance. Yeah, he's goodbye. A fucking human trash hole. But ultimately, um, the family is just trying to like heal their impossible to heal issues. Right. Um, and to raise those four kids into some semblance of normalcy since they saw their fucking mother murdered in front of them. I read a little bit of an update. I think both girls went to college. They're doing fine. The quads are mostly in the Air Force, Army, something rather. Interesting. I don't know. Okay. Yeah. Seems reasonable. Everyone seems like they turned out okay, despite this fucking horror story. Well, how did we feel about that book? I feel like that book, for once, had more information than the internet. Yeah, I really enjoyed that book. Um, Here's a secret. I read it before, many years ago. So it was an interesting revisit, and because I have the brain of a goldfish, I had wiped it completely from memory, and I was like, have I read this? I had. Uh, But yeah, it was good. I'll give Anne a solid four for fivesies on... She did good on this one? Yeah, she did. You know, she she has some gems. Yeah, she does. I mean, the other one we read was good, too. I mean, it was lightly vile against... Women. Yeah. Bodies. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. This one was much better. Awesome. Um, And she did, like, some diverging. Like, we learned a lot more about perhaps, like, the police investigators than we needed to. But it's, like, a really... Always. It's always, like, a really nice, full-figured Anne picture um, of what the entire case looks like. She does do that very well, all the time. Yeah. Well, I'm excited that I got to learn more this time. There you go. Welcome 
to my knowledge. Stable. I love it. I got the fiction story on this go around. Uh-uh. Well, I, I didn't get the fiction. I just didn't get the full business. <laughs> Don't worry. Now you have it. Now I do. I'm not days. better off for it, but I do have it. You do have it. It's in your arsenal. Great. I'll probably wipe it from my brain again. As we should. We have to wipe each of these from our brains or we're gonna go crazy. Er. Yeah, that's mm-hmm. the one. Mm-hmm. Um, so you would say good read, recommended? Yeah, four for five. Go for and rule every breath you take. Okay, cool. Are you ready to close the book on it? You know what? I would like to. I would love to close the book on and rules every breath you take. Put it back on the shelf. No burning. Zero burning this time. That's great. Look at us coming around. All right, guys. Well, as always, fucking rate, review, subscribe, follow the goddamn Instagram. <laughs> Amanda is personally offended. <laughs> Very offended that no one will fucking follow us. Um, it is Murder She Read Pod at Instagram. We do have our email address, murdershereed at gmail.com. Oh shit, I meant to email you there this week. I'll do it this week. Well, I never check it. I should. Mm, what? <laughs> no one emails us. You don't know. Okay, well, actually, no, that's a lie. My aunt emailed us a book suggestion. Oh, hello. Yeah. You didn't share this with me. I didn't. Okay. I haven't seen you. We'll look later. I guess that's it. Yeah, so. Have a great day. Night, <laughs> whatever your time frame looks like, we're going to close this night down. Yeah, before this gets worse, it's going downhill. <laughs> All right, goodbye, guys. Thank you. Goodbye.